Greetings, heavy metal fans. This is Chris Caffrey from Spirits of Fire, and you are listening to Focus on Metal, so crank it up. Hey, Metalhead, Scott here. Richie. And uh, after, I don't know, what is this, two months, uh, we've decided to wander back into the interwebs and uh, give you more focus on metal. Yeah, there's probably people out there thinking, yeah, they're done this time. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I wouldn't blame them. Uh, but, you know, that's, I guess that's the nice thing about going back from, you know, doing syndication stuff and whatever is that, you know, we're on our own schedule. And so... You know, take a little bit of extra time. And, of course, you know, you get a little bit of COVID (laughs) kind of creeping in there, too, that uh, delayed things a bit. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good times. (laughs) Good good times. We're back. Yeah. Yeah. Good to see you, man. And, uh, you know, you've got audio rolling in, which is great. And uh, this week is uh, another returning guest is uh, Chris Caffrey. Chris Caffrey. Yeah. Yeah. Back with uh, the second Spirits of Fire album. Yeah. I prefer to the debut. Yeah. I think Chris does too, which you'll hear in the interview. Yeah, yeah. He definitely, he's got, and, and he's got reasons why. So, mm-hmm. and he spells it out, which is good. It isn't just a, it isn't the, uh, you know, what is Jimmy DeGrasso used to talk about, you know, oh, well, it's the newest album, so it's got to be the bestest. Got to be know? the bestest, yeah. <laughs> so, this is the best album we've ever yeah. done. So, and uh, then when they do the next album, the last album was the worst album ever, and here's why. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I mean, Chris has got some good insight into why he why he likes it and stuff, which is which is great. Is interesting that uh, you know, not having Ripper on this one, I thought that was kind of a, a to me that was a big part of the the first one was wow, this is kind of a you know a good cast and uh, nice cross section of stuff, you know, and uh, so you know, seeing that it wasn't Ripper was was kind of interesting. It's good to see that Frontiers will put out metal albums. Mm-hmm. They're more known for the melodic they are. hard rock. Yeah. Um, and I'm always glad to see that these projects that are metal-orientated mm-hmm. and a little bit heavier mm-hmm. get to do another yeah. album. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know, just it, To me, the, the one thing, and it is a Frontiers thing too, which again, like I said, I agree. I'm glad they're putting music out. Um, and they're putting a lot of music out too. Uh, it was just kind of the, oh, so, you know, we're going to, and, you know, Chris kind of goes into it a little bit, but, you know, this, when you go and you, you kind of go, okay, well, new singer, it starts to creep down the, well, we have just this extended cast of characters we're just going to put in and out. So the next Spirits of Fire is going to have, you know, how they'll, they'll replace the, the Giorgio with somebody or, you know, well, it's like. Yeah, it's <laughs> the thing with Frontiers, and I'm sure there's a lot of thought goes into it. Yeah. And then there's a, you know, and then they have, there's decision making and there's economics and everything and putting all this together. Yeah. Um, sometimes on the outside looking in, you think, let's put all these names on a dartboard, shut your eyes, uh-huh. and just throw darts and yeah. say, right, let's put that guy. Okay, it landed on this guy. So right. let's call this guy and this guy, this right. guy and this guy. Yeah. And yeah. hopefully the chemistry will work. And if the dart misses the dartboard, you throw Alessandro in, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, he's on nearly everything. Yeah. But yeah, I thought, you know, it's, it's, it's also, it's good to have Chris back. I, you know, I remember that, uh, I had actually tried to get Chris on way early in, in the show's history. And, um, you know, he was out, I think he was out with TSO at the time and yeah, he just, you know, we weren't able to, to connect at all. Um, 
But it's interesting that since then we've had him on what two or three times. So yeah, um, funny funny thing happened to me a few years ago when I went down to New Jersey to see the Gigantor. Um, I was backstage with Metal Church, uh, and I was talking to the late Mike Howe, talking to Kurt, Jeff Plate, just great great guys. Mm. This was after their show. So one of the things Metal Church do after each show is they'll go out and meet the fans yep. at the merch booth. Um, and they're very gracious with their time. They talk to everybody, photos, the whole lot, mm-hmm. like class act. Yeah. The band are a class act. And I'm, I, you know, they brought, they said, well, come on, Richie, come on out. We're going to go out. You know, you're, yeah. you're more than welcome to come. And me and my friend went out. And um, I think Mike Howell started talking to someone and I looked at him and I went, Oh, that's Chris Caffrey. <laughs> He'd come to meet uh, the Metal Church guys. Maybe, yeah. you know, maybe there was a TSO thing with with Jeff played. Yeah. I I I don't know, but he was at he was at the show. Yeah, and he's from I he must I think he's from that neck of the woods anyway. But it was just weird. Like I'm just standing there and I'm like, oh, this is Chris, and I'm like, oh, Chris Caffrey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so I got a picture taken with him as well, and yeah. you know, it just couldn't have been nicer to me. And you know, he's a great guitar player. Um. I saw him with TSO, actually. He does a lot of the interaction. He does, yes. Especially yeah, towards the end the of the show. East Coast show, yeah. Yeah, he does a lot at the end of the show, you know, introducing the band and, and, and everything. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. especially, you know. yeah, once they get through the whole, well, you know, tends, what they're doing for the year. But, yeah, when they get to that kind of the, the second half. Yeah. You know, because you kind of have, like, the family-friendly front half. And mm-hmm. then, like, the we're going to rock out second half. And, yeah, then, yeah, and on the East Coast leg, yeah, Chris kind of usually comes out and takes charge of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But a great guitar player. Um, just a nice guy, and I, I much prefer that this Spirits of Fire record. I'm unfamiliar with the singer. I don't mm. know the singer at all. Yeah. Um, he's great. Yeah. Um, just sounds more focused, this one. Mm-hmm. Sounds, you know, the la- I'm not saying the last one was disjointed, but this one just sounds more cohesive. Yeah, and I think Chris goes into a lot of that, too, of where that's coming from. Yeah. So that that's good. So, yeah. Yeah, so this will be, be a good chat. Have you... Just curious, did you, have you done any live shows lately? Have you I have not done. I have not done a live show since Jeff Tate. When was that, two years ago? February of 2021. No. 2020. 2020. 2020, yeah. No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I haven't been to a live show. Wow. Um, unless, oh, I, no, I lie. Uh, my daughter had a Christmas concert. Ah, my okay. six-year-old. We can count that. I'm def- <laughs> I'm, no, I'm counting that. That's important. <laughs> no, yeah, no. I, I mean, I did. We did. Um, you did have an F. did uh, Essence, yeah, last month. Yeah, so and it was hailstorm. Good to, hailstorm, and, and then, then that got can, that got postponed. Got postponed. Yep, yep. It did. And they actually, when she came out, she apologized and said, you know, hey, thanks for sticking with us and everything. And they, um, I can't think of who the name of the the opening band was. Little something. I can't remember. A female band. Uh, um, two guys, two girls. Okay, drummer, drummer. She was fantastic. I mean, she could really pound. Where was skins. the show D- in Worcester? DCU. Yeah. So what? What that holds? What eight thousand? I don't remember. Ten thousand. Um, but it was. Uh, I mean, for one thing, it was it was. Uh, it was odd to be back at the DCU. I, I was, you know, telling my girlfriend like, "Holy crap! Like, I haven't been into the DCU center as in an as an audience member since probably the early nineties. Because at that point, there really wasn't, there wasn't a TD Garden. 
all the shows went to DCU. So they went or to at West that point, it was the West Centrum. Yeah. But yeah, so if you look at you know you look at a lot of these band stuff, and you go, you're thinking, huh, like why didn't they go to Boston? It was because there really there wasn't the Garden was gone, and so everybody went out to the the Worcester Centrum. That's where Maiden are playing, isn't it? That's where Maiden is playing. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, weird. They normally play Mansfield, yeah. which is outdoors yep. and probably yeah. about twenty odd thousand. But it seems like they are starting to court more bands back there, which is which is cool. And I said it was it's. Um, it was good. It was good to get out. You know, we had, it was, it was so long since when I bought the tickets and then the postponement. And then finally that I, I had even forgotten that it was like VIP and stuff. I was like, Oh yeah, crap. <laughs> was it sold out? No, it wasn't sold out. No, no, they, it was, it was pretty damn well attended. Um, but it wasn't completely sold okay, out. Okay. Who headlined? No. Uh, Evanescence. What did, what? Was did they headline every night or did they flip it? No, no, they were they were every night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it was good. It was it was um, because you know Amy came out, did stuff with with uh, Hailstorm. Lizzie came out, did stuff with that with Evanescence. Okay. You know, one of the encores was was like was with them together and stuff. So it was it was it was a good change up, and it was interesting too, because you know Hailstorm is more more rock oriented faster paced um and their set was very uh the lighting and everything was was bright flashy and all that and then evanescence which which obviously has kind of a more gothic influence into it as well and their set was more um you know kind of lower toned they were kind of some slower you know a lot of more slower paced songs and it was their lighting was all very dark, so it was kind of this like light and shade kind of okay. show as well. So it was kind of like you weren't watching like you know a bunch of the same bands, and so it kind of made for a for pretty cool as well. Was this a midweek show or a weekend show? because uh, they'd have a curfew, wouldn't they? Anyway, Thursday night. I think it was a Thursday night. So you probably they're probably done at eleven, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. The shows I'm thinking of. I'm looking. Um, the shows that are coming our way. Mm-hmm. Well, I know Overkill are coming to the Worcester. I haven't seen Overkill in years. Yeah. They're really good. I wouldn't. I'm re, I'm intrigued to go and see Wolfgang Van Halen and Dirty Honey. Um, yeah. Um, I I've been listening a lot to the the Wolfgang Van Halen album, the Mammoth Record. Yep. Have you got it? Yep, I have it. Really fucking good. Like it. That really is a one man band. He did everything on it. Yeah. Um, well, look, we learned from. Well, yeah, <laughs> um, but I'd lo- you know I'd love to see that stuff played live too. You know, yeah. two young bands. Are you a Dirty Honey fan at all? Their stuff's not bad. We've had them on. Yeah, like, last had, year, two yeah, years ago. Mar- yeah, yeah, and 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 it's not bad. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of more a little bit more retro. So these are rescheduled dates as well, mm. and I think sometime in March. I think I think it might be late March. They hit Boston and it's on a Saturday night, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm looking, yeah, um, to maybe get back into it. Yeah, yeah, I've got, and yeah, I think it'll depend unless something else pops in there. But yeah, I mean, we've got tickets for uh, Sammy Hagar. In you see, here's here's the thing with Hagar, and I've got another band I want to talk about in a minute. I saw Sammy Hagar play here in Lowell. 
mm-hmm. right? And he played the song of Serena. Mm-hmm. And that probably holds about 6,000, right? Yeah, it's pretty small. Yeah. Yeah. If there was a 1,000 there, I'd be exaggerating, right? And that had, it was Hagar, it was Buck Cherry, and someone, someone else, the name, the name will come to me, but someone pretty decent. Mm-hmm. So I'm not 100% sure, but I believe that was probably the four decades of rock tour. So it would have been Hagar with Buck Cherry. And uh, at that point, I think it was Rival Sons that did that one. So I think that was the, the band that Richie couldn't recall. He had a decent bill and he didn't have many show up. And he's playing Mansfield, right? With, mm-hmm. Is it George Thorogood? Yeah, Thorogood, yeah. Uh, and I'm thinking, like, and, and I love Sammy. Sammy's mm-hmm. brilliant. He's still li- still great live, great yeah. singer, great band, right? There's no fucking way he's gonna. That's gonna fucking. Tr- I think sell it will. We saw him. Is that because of his at, band? Yeah, like well, he's got Michael and, Anthony and and Jason Bonham. Well, I think it's also just the. Um, I think people are just like rediscovering. Sammy as well. Mm, I mean, I, I, I saw him in Boston. We was and it was, it was freezing that night. He was with, he was with Night Ranger, and we froze, and it was sold out. Outdoors, outdoors. I, I, I just think that that concert when I saw the lineup and I saw who the support act was, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's that's going to be a hard sell because there's there is a. You mightn't think there's a lot of concerts going on, but when you look at Ma- when you look at Mansfield, there is quite a few gigs there. And Sammy has always said himself that the East Coast has been, for whatever reason, it's been a harder sell for yeah. him. But it's been, like I said, it was sold out, and he put on a great show. And that was with his poor guitar player that he had in the band that screwed up his knee, so he was like having to sit half the, like all night and play. And and the poor guy could do like he was playing everything awesome, but it's hard to have that energy when you're like, great, I'm sitting, and I can't. We could tell it was killing the poor guy. Um, but I can, I can say when I went and, when I went and got tickets that, um, and this was at pre-sale that there were like three sets of seats that I lost because by the time I got to checkout, they were already gone. Like they were just slipping away from me as I was trying to get him. I just think that'll be a hard sell. No, I don't know. I think, I think he'll do good. Um, I hope he does. Cause I love the guy. He's yeah. brilliant. And yeah. When I saw him a couple of years ago, he sounded fantastic. And you, look, you can't beat that set list. Mm-hmm. Montrose, Van Halen, yeah. solo. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like it's just one hit after hit after yeah. hit after hit. Yeah. Um, the other band that's announced the U S tour uh, is Wasp. <laughs> um, after many, many years, yeah, uh, they actually just postponed their European tour. I don't know whether you know this. I didn't hear that. Yeah, it was scheduled for 2022. It is now 2023 ah. because of all the uncertainties yeah. surrounding COVID. Um, you know, I could get deep into that, but I'm not going to bother. It just seems to me that some tours are happening and some aren't. Yep. And I'll just leave it there and I don't know why. Um, but he, they've they've postponed the tour to next year. Hmm. Um, but they're touring here. Hmm. Uh, and I know there's been issues in the past with uh, Blackie. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear all these stories about, you know, 
everything has to be perfect. The, the mic stand, you know, yeah. the, the mic stand shit. Um, but there, when you look at a band like Wasp, like their their iconic band, I think in in hard rock and metal, especially their eighties stuff. Yeah, right. And I I love Blackie, but their last couple of records, I don't even think they were released in America. Mm. Um. He made his bread and butter touring outside of the US, mm-hmm. and I, I'm I am genuinely surprised he's touring here. Yeah. Um. What What do you think of that? You know, I think a lot of people that are longtime fans. So again, like you said a lot of the current albums they're off people's radar, right? Um. And so the they're people good. that are they're good albums. Well, I'm not saying whether they're good or bad. I'm yeah. just saying that they're from an, for an American fan. Remember, we're fickle. And so pretty much like... It's the you, MTV era. Yeah. So, Maybe Crimson Idol and after that... Exactly. Nothing. Yeah, that's where I was going on it. And so and so if you're if you're locked into that thing too, then you're probably going to be thinking, well, if there's no Chris Holmes, I don't want to go. Yeah, he's got cancer. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, so hopefully he'll beat that. You know, so so if you, and I don't know if you've, if you've seen it or not. I think it's Netflix, The Mean Man. I saw it. It's very good. Great. Yeah, it's great. Very well done. Yeah. But um, again, I, I I think I mean to me, Chris Holmes was like the the foil because again, yeah, you have the perfectionist Blackie, right? And then you have the other guy playing guitar that doesn't give a shit. So Chris wants you know, so if Blackie wants to be a dick out there, well, you know what? Yeah, but you look at Chris the doc- you look him. at the Mean Man documentary, yeah, and it's not just Chris talking of you know disparaging Blackie. It's the other guys too. It is, yeah. But I'm just, I'm just saying that that from from a you know uh, kind of the like front of the stage foil is is you know Chris can openly challenge that. And now anybody else that's really in Wasp is an employee of Blackie Lawless Incorporated. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. It's not so. It isn't been, that that's been going on like that for a long. time. It has, and and I think you know even even with Chris, I mean he they were still pretty much like that. But again, Chris's attitude was I don't fucking care, you know. So. Um, I think that carries through and it made a, it made kind of more of that dynamic show and, and the reputation and all of that. And I just, I just don't see the same energy because, you know, Wasp was always, it was the theatrics and I just don't see it being the same without like a character like Chris Holmes being there. Did you see the video a couple of years ago? Um, it's still, it's still out there. Um, I know it was pretty, you know, it's pretty stunning um, there was some show Wasp were doing and Blackie was late to the microphone and the vocals kicked in <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that yeah. no. um, and I, you look at it and it's it's so obvious that for whatever reason the yeah. vocals were taped and I looked at it and I'm like wow and What's Blackie now? Sixty-five, probably in his mid-sixties. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And uh, uh, listen, I love the guy. He's he's a brilliant songwriter and all that. But is he going to be singing at the? <laughs> I, 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 I I hope he is, and yeah. I hope the show is live. And but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, mm. and I I I think they are playing around here, but. Um, I saw Wasp in Dublin about 10 years ago, before, more than 10 years ago. It was before I moved here, mm-hmm. and they were, they were really good. They were in a small club in Temple Bar in Dublin, and mm-hmm. they, were, they were really, really good. Um, do I want to see 
Blackie Lawless 10 years after that, <laughs> after seeing that video and all that. And yeah. They're going to be playing, it's going to be more or less the same songs. Yeah. Um, is he going to play Animal? I know he's been <laughs> asked that question because his, you know, he's, his belief system is, com- you know, yeah. it's, it's different than what it used to be. Yep. And th- he's like Dave Mustaine. There's certain songs that yep. he made in the, he, he wrote in the past that he doesn't want to touch anymore. And now he might have to, you know, bite his tongue and say, well, that was a big song for me. Now I kind of have to give the audience what I want. Kind yeah. of a, kind of a deal. Um, with all the shows that are going on now, would Wasp be one of the top shows that I want to go and see? Probably yeah, not. It wouldn't be for me. Have you seen Wasp before? I don't think I ever did. Because they won't, they didn't do a crap load of East Coast. I don't, re- I don't remember ever seeing them. Okay. Not supporting anyone or headlining or I don't, nothing. yeah, I mean. You I mean, mustn't have seen them because. They'd be one of the acts with the stage show that they had. Exactly. definitely stand yeah. out. Yeah. Especially, and Blackie has one of these, he's got a very recognisable voice. Yeah. Like, you hear Blackie, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's Blackie Lawless singing. Yeah. Um, he just stands out like that. Yeah. And the albums sound different. Yeah, yeah. Production-wise and the way they're mixed and all that. Yeah. Um, listen, if you go and if the shows happen, great. Yeah. And go, but I don't know. Yeah. Just got various reasons why him. his shows wouldn't be jumping out at me at this stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I'll, hey, I should mention too. You know, when you just talk, talked about you know distinctive voice, uh, just kind of make a note too that uh, you know the fact that uh, you know Meatloaf, another yeah, another guy gone. Yeah. Um, you know, and decent, really good guy. Um, I worked a show for him back before he was back on kind of the comeback thing um, at the channel in Boston. He was doing gone too. Yeah. Well, you must be talking 80s then. Yeah, I was. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, said, really, really decent guy. And um, no ego at all. The ego was, was the two women that were his backup singers. And they were absolutely horrible to each other. It was just like, I can't believe this, but he was really just kind of no ego, humble, down to earth guy. And, you know, we're, we're setting stuff up or whatever. And, you know, like, you know, one point there, and he just kind of, and I think they were arguing about who was going to put the cape on him. And he just kind of walked away <laughs> and he came over and he just started like shooting the crap with us. Like, I'm just ignoring that. I'm just going to come over here and talk to you guys. And uh, just, yeah, super, super, you know, down to earth guy, and uh, yeah. So I was kind of, was really bummed that uh, you know that he passed. That did was, you see uh, the show we did? Yeah, a good show. Yeah, yeah. We were, I was working crew. Okay. Yeah, I basically was doing it for uh, um, a, another band, and we just kind of we ended up just doing the whole thing. So yeah, that was actually even believe it or not, that was uh, that was the night I met my ex wife. <laughs> Yeah, you'd remember that. So, yeah, that was a <laughs> good part of the night and maybe not so much. But, uh, yeah, like I said, yeah, I was, uh, I was bummed uh, just because, um, yeah, like I said, you know, you know, hanging out with him and stuff and, and seeing what a good guy he was, you know, you would you would think that, you know, maybe he'd have this big ego and stuff. And, yeah, he definitely did. So, I was, yeah, I was bummed, bummed to see him go. Right. I've said this to you before. Um, 
I used to subscribe to Classic Rock magazine. No, I mm. don't anymore because I don't think the magazine's anywhere near what it used to be. Um, but every so often, you know, I'll, if the, if it's in Barnes and Noble or whatever, I yeah. might have a look at it or I might pick it up and read it. Um, the news section in the front, the pages are there's more pages now. Obituaries, yeah, because all these classic rock guys are dying. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, they got that in so vintage guitar, too. Used to it. it used to be like one page, and they'd fit maybe two to three people, and now it's like four people, and then a separate article about like another person. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bad trend. You know, you, like the main news story will be a tribute to Charlie Watts, uh-huh. and then the main news story will be a tribute to Meatloaf. Yeah, and then the, they'd have another page of all these people in yeah. the music industry that. That have, that, have, that have died in the last month or, yeah. s- or six weeks or, or yeah. whatever. And every time I pick up classic rock now, there's pages of it. Yeah, yeah. Which is sad to see. It is. It is. All right. Well, anyways, I didn't want to take us down a that bad road. So why don't I turn this around? Yeah. Um, what do you say we dive into your talk that you had with Chris Caffrey? All good stuff. Yeah. Chris. Hey, how you doing? Fine. So where are you? On the East Coast? Yeah, I'm in New York. Okay. I'm, I'm just outside of Boston. Oh, awesome. All right. Um, I had you on for the debut record. Yes. And we'll, we'll, get in, we'll get into the new album now in a couple of minutes. But one of the things I always ask the guitar players when I have them on the show is how many guitars do you have in your house? <laughs> I'd love to answer that question. I have to count them. Okay. I would say there's there's at least 50, and I, I don't know ex- an exact number. Okay. Um, do you have the first guitar you ever owned? No, I don't. And I don't even know where that guitar wound up. It was something called like a checkmate, and I wish I had it. And I don't, I think one of my good friends as a kid wound up with it, but I don't know if he still has it. Okay. Do you have a favorite guitar to write music on? Um... You know what? I don't necessarily have a favorite. I do have a, a black Gibson Flying V that I've written a lot of really good songs on, and I, I do tend to grab that one a lot when I'm writing heavy metal music, and there's a bunch of reasons. It tunes really easily, so I could change the tuning on it and not have to spend all day. Sometimes if you have a guitar that has tremolo bars, it takes for, forever to tune it at different tunings. So I think that one's kind of a go-to one for metal. Mm. What about writing on acoustic? Um, I do. I have a bunch of acoustic guitars I use. I mean, I I um, have a tendency to, to write two click tracks. So I'll go, I mean, if I'm not writing it on my phone or I'm just doing a voice memo, a lot of times I'll just set up a session and I'll put out, you know, maybe four or five different guitar tracks that could go for like 20 minutes in a row of different riffs. And a lot of times I'll just set a click. And I think sometimes it's easier to do that with the electric. I mean, I could do that with the acoustic and plug in, but I'll go back and I'll just spend a night playing and writing. And then the next day I'll go listen to everything and see what I like. And I'll cut them out and I'll paste them into different sessions and songs so it's kind of this little format that i've always had where it's been easier for me to catalog my ideas through the electrics Mm. can you schedule your writing like 
tomorrow between two to four I'm going to write music or does the inspiration just come to you and you got to stop what you're doing and write? In a perfect world, I'd schedule everything in my life, but it never seems to it never seems to happen that way. Okay. You know, I, I I set things up to happen, and then there's 90 million other things that go on, and I have my music and my art, and I take care of my mom in a large house and yard, and especially when it's the summertime. I mean, I, I always laugh when people say, you know, when you have the tour coming up, are you excited to get back to work? And I'm like, I'm excited to rest, you know, because when I'm on the tour, all I do is play on stage you know maybe we have some interviews or some autograph things or things to do but for the most part my day is just whatever time i'm on stage when i'm home sometimes i might sleep four hours in a day and, and the rest of that time the 20 hours is busy doing something so i um a lot of times would love to schedule everything but i just i tend to always have too much going on mm. so with all that then you must have suffered writer's block sometimes yeah, I think there's times when I'll, I'll turn on my things and I'll spend an hour writing and, and come out of it with basically nothing that I like. And I, I don't know exactly what does that. I think sometimes you just kind of, you want to step in there and, and write a whole song and you, you're really excited thinking maybe something's going to come out and you just don't leave with anything you really love. And I think those times are maybe ones where you you could disappear from fast to be like, all right, it's not going to happen today. But some of those times it might be 45 minutes into not coming up with anything and all of a sudden an idea hits. So it's like one of these things where you always keep trying to see if something comes, but there has been days or times in particular where I've, I've just not come out with anything that I use from a particular day of writing ever. Mm. Now I had you on for the, the first spirits of fire album to help promote that. And I'm curious now, that's a couple of years old, what were your expectations for that album and do you think they were met? Um, I, I just wanted to get a chance to work with my friend. I mean, when I was first approached by Frontiers to do a record with Ripper, I mean, he was a big part of the reason why I did that and was Roy Z because I was a huge fan of his work. So I think, you know, then I was just happy to get the record done. I never thought that record was as good as it could have been. I mean, everybody was working, but we were all kind of, people were busy at the time doing other things. And, and I think that it, it became a decent record, but I, in, in a lot of ways, I think that first record missed the mark. And I think that, um, you know, I was happy to get the opportunity to do the second record. I think to give a chance to, to have the spirits of fire thing really put out something that I think people could listen to as, as a really cool, complete piece of metal music. Hmm. Was part of you surprised that Frontiers asked you to do a second one? Um, no, I don't really think I was surprised. I, I didn't know exactly what was going to happen with that. They came to me and said, do you want to do another record? And I was like, sure. I mean, you know, I like I said, I thought the first one could have been better. So I, I was accepting that as a challenge to see you know what i could do i didn't want it to go down as you know being this, this one time record that i did that you know really didn't accomplish that much so i was really happy with having the ability to do another one okay um so how soon into the process did you know that tim wasn't going to be on the second one um basically within a couple of weeks of when i a, you know, told the label I was willing to do it. They had told me that, uh, you know, that that 
I don't know what, exactly what reasons, but then and Ripper parted ways. So, you know, it's kind of weird because Ripper's a really, really good friend of mine, but we have not really discuss this and, and I didn't really bring it up to him. I, I just, you know, whatever reason he picked, I wanted to do a record. So it was pretty quick and, and I told him I just wanted to get somebody that was gonna be able to sing that style. You know, we started working out of the gate with, with Todd Hall was, was working with me from from Riot and he was pretty busy with the voice at the time, but he had some really good ideas for a lot of this music, some of the ones which we did use, but, you know, not the same songs that he'd written, obviously, but, you know, he he was a real gentleman, and he just told me he didn't have the time to put into what he thought to do this, you know, record, the entire record the way that he wanted to, so we went back in Frontiers, was like, well, we want to try using Fabio, and, you know, the guys in the band, we were just like, well, whoever it is we use, you know, we, we want to listen to what we're doing and make sure it's going to fit the band and we listened to some of the tracks and it just seemed like it was going to work really well. And it did. And Aldo, the producer of this record, I love the work that he did with Zach Stevens record. So I, I had confidence in him and being able to, to produce um, this record. I mean, that decision to use him and to use Fabio, you know, that was frontiers decision. And, and, you know, this being a project for them, I, I was just letting them, you know, set up who we were going to do. And my responsibility was to write music and play guitar. That's really what I wanted with this one. Mm, so you didn't have a wish list of uh, what singers you wanted instead of Ripper? Um, there was people I mentioned, people they mentioned. You know, it wasn't like they were alienating anybody whom I might have thought of. There was ones I spoke to that were considering it that needed to look at their schedules and and then ones that i like that they thought of you know, actually some that may have been too metal for this because you know they they definitely love the melodic side of heavy metal too so they didn't want me to go you know too metal with the music and the band so i think fabio was somebody that uh that fit in perfect. I think the way that he brought out this character of the metal tone in his voice really was a surprise to everybody. You know, he he really went into a, a different voice than people have known him for. And I thought it was very impressive to hear. I mean, he had a, a amazing voice, as we all know, but I thought it was really impressive to hear him take on the character of being the singer in Spirits of Fire. Mm. Now... Not saying anything about his prowess as a singer, but Ripper is a bigger name than Fabio. And, and I'm curious, at, at any stage, did did Frontiers want to name Guy to as a replacement for Ripper? Well, I mean, you have to go to different places, though, to get that, to, to have that. I mean, in the United States, yes, maybe Ripper is more well-known here, but if you go to Brazil or Europe, there are places where Fabio is tremendously well-known for his work with Anger and with Rhapsody of Fire. So I think that, um, you know, they definitely, yes, wanted to have a name to use. I think that's part of what the formula was when you're, you're quote-unquote, I hate when they say it, but creating this super band or whatever people like to call it is a musicians who have done things together. So obviously we were looking for people who had experience to fit on that that list but he definitely has a lot of tenure and a lot of fans and you know when you look at what's happened with the the videos of these that we've released you know it's been a month and a half since the first video and just a little over two weeks since the second the second one's over 172,000 views 
and that's over 30, you know, 30,000 views more than the most views we had in a video with Ripper, and that was in three years. So in, in two weeks with Fabio, we had 30,000 views more than we did with any video with Ripper in three years. Wow. So something is working. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's the, a combination of the music and just it being a you know, good song and the, the form, you know, everything just worked the right way. But, you know, both of the videos we have are over 100,000 views. And, uh, you know, to have that, to have 200, like 275,000 or close to 280,000 views of, of uh, two videos in, in a month and a half, and the record's not even out yet, I think it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, how, the ideas for, the, for this album, how old are some of them? You know, most of them were written at the beginning of 2020 when I started doing it. The, the Hearts in the Sand song was one that I had, we had actually the tracks recorded for for the last record, but never finished. And it was actually one that I wrote to be on the record that was going to follow Poets and Mad Men for Sabotage. So that's really the only one that's old as far as the music goes. The rest of that stuff was, you know, was written two years ago when we started working on the record. Mm. How picky are you, Chris, with the material? Like, do you set a high bar? Are you you very picky about what you send out? This record I was because of the fact that we were replacing somebody like Ripper. You know, and um, the first record, I didn't write all the music I wrote. You know, the first four songs I wrote everything in, but there were some of the songs I didn't write and with this one, I was like, all right, I knew we were going to be taking a lot of heat from having the first release out and, and having the new version of the band. And I was kind of like, well, you know, if there's going to be any criticism, I want it on my back. So I said, I want to be the one who writes all this music. And when I started working with Aldo, he had some ideas musically. And I'm like, look, man, I want to write the music. And that's the only real demand that I had on this record. And I made sure I set the bar high for myself as far as sending out, you know, I sent 18 song ideas and I just wanted to make them kind of reach a, a solid level of being strong music pieces as far as heavy metal. I mean, that was my goal. I mean, and I was set on that, you know, when, when I knew first like i said that i thought the first record could be better and when i knew we were going to have you know a lot of eyes and ears focused on what it was that was coming out i just had a level of what i thought i wanted this to get to mm. now you said there that you wanted to write all the music now i've had many frontiers artists on the show and sometimes that doesn't work that the label wants to write the music they have their own in-house songwriters there did you have to fight for that for this record or and send them some music first before they agree to it or or did they just say from get go yeah okay go ahead i think they they had confidence in what i was going to do and when they were listening to what i was sending them i think they they were like all right this is this is going to be good because it's not like i didn't send them stuff that was bad or that they weren't going to be happy with or like I said, in the style where when I was speaking about having it go a little bit too heavy metal, they wanted it to have that kind of melodic, heavy sound to it. And the stuff I wrote was able to accompany that particular thing. So I don't think there was anything that I did that 
made them worry about it. You know, they when they heard it, I think they were happy with it. And, and you know, once maybe I was lucky with that, once I said I wanted to do it and it happened, I think it was, it was probably for me living up to demand because I think if I would have missed the mark, they would have turned around and said, hey, we have these three or four songs we want to use. And I don't think I would have had a choice in that matter if they definitely thought there was no singles or no songs that, that met their criteria of what they wanted from Spirits of Fire. I think luckily that I wrote something that they were happy with. Mm. Um, tell me about the first song Fabio sent back with vocals and your reaction. You know what? I was just happy with it. I thought that, um, like I said, when I heard what, what Todd was doing, I was happy with what he had. And when Fabio sent the first ideas back, I was like, all right, this is going to work. I mean, it was one of these things where I just wanted to feel comfortable knowing that there was going to be some great vocals on the record. And when I started hearing the completed songs, like I, I had had, you know, done my guitars and completed what I was doing and not heard what was going to happen completely on some of these songs vocally yet. So, you know, I was getting the songs and hearing, you know, the mixes and things for the first time is when I was hearing some of these songs for the first time. So for me, it was cool because I was listening like I was a fan, but in the same way that the label and producer trusted me as a writer for my music, I trusted the producer and Fabio as as writers to, to get that other side together. So I think there was a lot of, of trust on all of us to make a great product and you know with the pandemic i think we all had a little bit of extra time available to work i mean i wrote my guitar parts and sent the tracks to mark zonder and he recorded his drums and then i recorded my guitars the first record i recorded my guitars to a click track and then he did his drums over that and that's what the vocals were on and that's what got mixed and finished this one i kind of learned how I wanted to replay myself to marry his drums. And it, I think it gave it more of a feel and a sound of a live band, you know, on this record. And then Steve's bass just went on top of that. It was a wall of sound. And I'm, I'm really happy with this. I think this Spirits of Fire record sounds more like a solid band. Mm. Do you think, Chris, that Fabio went somewhere, somewhere vocally on some of the tracks were, that, that surprised you? That you went, holy shit, I didn't think he'd, he'd go there with the way he sang. Yeah, I mean, like, when I finished this record, I, I played it to people like you who have tons of experience listening to, to metal and rock music, and nobody was able to guess who it was. I didn't have one person guess that that was Fabio singing. So I think not only did he surprise me, I think he's surprising a lot of people. I mean, not, not everybody knew that he was going to be able to, to go into something that, that was that metal, but he took that that character on like i said he went full-on metal I, I always say he put the metal to the pedal on this record and, and yeah. i think that now that I, he, I, see I've, I've listened to the album a few times and if someone was to point the finger at me and say right which song do you think he shows most of his range in right i i'd say my confession but that's just me yeah i really like that actually I'm, I'm looking at trying to um to get the the fire spirit guy animated and i was wanted to do a video for um a song with that and it's just something i personally want to do so i'm you know lying i want to see this guy come alive and it's funny because my confession is the song that i think i would want to use for that Mm. now of course i'm an old school metalhead so i came up with you know the business model was the album you go out and play shows and hopefully promote it 
And I'm just wondering now, as a musician, how frustrating is that for you now that, you know, you might do these records and you might never get to play a live show? Is, it, is that something you, you just get used to or is it just really frustrating for you? Uh, you well, know, uh, I think I've dealt with enough things I've done throughout the year that have had things not necessarily happy happen exactly the way I wanted to, especially if you, you go back to Dr. Butcher. So I think that, you know, with, with Spirits of Fire, I'm enjoying being able to make the record this way. I think it's filling that void that I missed with having, you know, Butcher around to do a, a side metal thing. And, and the fact that I don't have to sing everything or do everything, it's, it's, it was fun for me. So I'd love to see it play live and hopefully it will. If it doesn't, it's like, you know, I, I've, I've come to act the unexpected. So if it happens and it goes great, great. But if it doesn't, I've also come to expect things to, to be disappointing sometimes. So I never really try to put my, my demands over where it could be right now. You don't even know, you know, what shows and tours are going to happen. So we're kind of, you know, being a little cautious about what we may want to set up because I'd hate to go and book a tour and have money and rehearsals and all these things done. And then all of a sudden it gets postponed. And when, you know, you have a project band like Spirits of Fireworks, not everybody's main band, it's hard to find the free time to make something happen. So rescheduling something canceled would probably be a lot more difficult than waiting just to do it when you know it's going to happen. Mm. Well, you were able to pull off the TSO shows at the end of last year. Yeah, no, that, that, um, that took a lot of discipline and it took a lot of people, you know, focusing on, on doing the right things on the road. You know, we, everybody that tour was exactly like every tour I ever did, but completely different. And the fact that everybody did such a phenomenal job from top to bottom, from the management to the production, to the crew, to the band and everybody just going out there and focusing on that final goal, which was making sure that that tour started and finished. And it was like, I think Al Petrelli said something to me yesterday when people asked him what it was like, he said it was kind of like landing on, Normandy Beach with a water pistol. You know, it's like we were going, we were going up against a pretty hard challenge. To that, you know, it was not easy, and, and everybody really rose to the occasion. And it was like you know, you have a huge machine of hundreds of people and, and sound and lights and pyro and video and all these you know merchandise, hotels and catering all these people relying on you going out there and keeping this going. And we all made sure we focused and stayed as safe as possible and as healthy as possible. And we got it done. And it's not a lot of things. I mean, we were on the road watching the NHL shut down, not a hockey team, the whole hockey league yeah. you know, while we were touring. So we're like, we're out there basically in some ways accomplishing the impossible. Other arena tours were pulling out, as we were playing and we managed to make it through. So I think everybody really needs to be proud of what we did. We, we definitely accomplished something pretty, pretty incredible with that TSO tour. Mm, definitely, Chris. I just got a couple of questions before I leave you go. Of course, the recent music news, big music news is the death of Meatloaf. Um, I'm just curious now because of the bands you came from and now with TSO, you have that like theatrical aspect to the show where you have long songs, epic songs, larger-than-life songs. Um, I'm just wondering how big a fan of his were you? You know, I was a really big fan of, of, of that Bad Out of Hell record. When I was a kid, it was one of those things that hit you that was just really special and really cool. I mean, and it, it rode in my catalog of things that I listened to my whole... I think that that 
to have that kind of creation it was something even if it was just one i mean that i was a real huge fan of out of his thing was was amazing because you know there's tons of bands i've i've listened to and, and some of them there may only be one record that i really love and that that piece was something i think that rode into all of us especially you know working with tso and, and being in that that the ability to have the basic kind of story and theatrical things it's it's been inspirational throughout you know whether it was with my music or sabotage music or the tso music there's always been inspiration in all of us that had come through those records they you know those meatloaf records were just brilliant creations of art and especially when i go back to the bat out of hell and that that record was just something that was priceless you know and, and it was something that came out you know, basically right in the start of me being a musician and it was something that I was able to learn off of and study on. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people that, that work with him and have worked with him and, and it, it's just, uh, he was a brilliant artist. And, um, I definitely know that, that he created a spot in music history that, you know, like Paul and like Prince, you know, are, are really special pieces of art that are going to be a part of our lives forever. Mm. Did you ever meet him? I never got to meet him. I never met him. Okay. I'm just curious now. I was going to ask you, but did Paul O'Neill ever mention him as an influence? You know, I don't... I'm trying to go through that to remember if I had any specific conversations with Paul about Meatloaf. And I know that he was such a huge fan and, and worked with Patty. And, and, and I know he loved, he loved him and that that work and those creations. And I'm trying to remember specific words that he would have. Because Paul always had specific things to say out of people. So I know the influence was there and I know that he loved what he did and what, you know, the, the music and stuff was there. But I'm trying to think of like specific things that he said to me and I'm sure it'll come to me, but I had, I actually had a, a pretty bad accident a few years ago that, that had a little bit of brain damage on. So I'm trying to remember some of the exact words that Paul had to say about meatloaf and that i um have, have not brought up out of my brain yet to think of exactly what it was but i know for sure that he uh he definitely loved what he did i mean and like i said he, he we had work with with patty and, and and stuff like that so there there definitely was a connection there that that paul really he loved that i mean that that style and that writing and and those that, that type of music and the, that formula was something that um, we had all worked on. Mm. Final question, Chris. And I was trying to think of a sabotage question to ask you. And the one that kept coming up that I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to ask him this one is, because I know you get asked a lot about it. Um, if you were to come back with sabotage, like, what does the band still have left to prove? Um, you know what? I think if anything... Sabotage the band, I think, would really, it would be great for us to go and perform to the generations of people that never saw us. You know, there's, it's been over 20 years since we played. So I don't know if it's necessarily anything left to prove. I think it's maybe something left to celebrate because we had accomplished a lot. And I think at the time we did it, we didn't even realize what we were doing because Sabotage was always very, humble and very normal as people i mean if you ever met the olivas or, or just knew it, it we were fun friendly people that just did what we did and it happened to be what it was but there was never really like any kind of you know 
real huge ego or, or, or anything like that with 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 sabotage it was just this fun bunch of guys that love making music and i think if anything i think that the band it would be great to see the band be able to celebrate the history of the music and the things that we did with paul and and the music had been done to, to a bunch of fans around the world that, that may have been able to see us or the ones that never have so i think if anything you know i think sabotage could accomplish a uh, a peak of, of or, or a cap and just on top of what's been you know a really brilliant career musically if we could just go out and maybe celebrate that yeah. again i think that's what i would i would love to do that when i tell people you know even if it gets to be one more i'd love to do one more sabotage record and tour just to celebrate what it is we did because there was a lot of great things that that came about about from sabotage you know just my career in general and, and meeting paul and being where i am now you know it happened because of sabotage and you know the the dead winter dead record and, and christmas eve sarajevo it's just things that that had happened and developed into really important parts of so many people's lives it's like i really would love to get to see sabotage have a chance to to just do like a what i would call like a global celebration of what it is that we created yeah you're still in touch with the guys oh yeah we, we talk all the time you know it's like i i speak to john every day just about and and we started writing some music last year and, and um it was one of the first times in 20 years that i was actually trading music with john specifically with the possibilities of maybe becoming something for a sabotage record so we'll see what happens but yeah i mean i i see everybody in the band on the road zach and and jeff were on my version of tso the east one and johnny and hour on the west one and john's always a part of putting that show together he's at all the rehearsals and i speak to him every day so you know we we're very we're very close and um we'll see what happens you know there's always there's always talk about it and it, it just seems to be one of these things that i i think that you know would be great if it did get to happen i, I can't predict the future and if it does happen it'd be the greatest thing ever if it doesn't i still have a history of, of of so many wonderful things that happen because of sabotage mm. well chris the new album spirits of fire embrace the unknown is out on the 18th of february do you want to tell people where they can get it well i mean right now it, it, the best way to look for things is either through frontiers or through the spirits of fire facebook or instagram pages all the connections will be there or on my chris caffrey music page or chris caffrey.com people just go and check it out and look for for that i mean as far as where anybody gets their music nowadays i think everybody knows where they need to go to find things i mean there will be some vinyl and and things that you could get and maybe your what's left of your small specialty record stores you could find it but i mean for now it's just you know everybody knows their channels so just look when it's released and, and uh can order it digitally or, or order the copies online or through your stores or th i'm sure it'll be with the, the amazons and everything else that you, you purchase things okay well chris it's been a pleasure again thank you no thank you very much for your time and it's, you have a great year safe year and, and uh hopefully we have uh some other new music to talk about soon. Perfect. Have a good rest of the day. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All right. There you go. That is Rishi's chat with Chris Caffrey. And, you know, try to support the band, support these guys that are out there doing it, and, and go out and pick up the album. Yeah, I think it should be should be out by now. Yeah. Oh, it's out, right? Yeah, it's out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely, you know, go ahead and do that. And then, um, so next week we have Jimmy Bell. Yep. 
Jimmy Bell, guitar player from the East Coast. Yes. Who I've spoken to ugh, four or five times now, maybe? Yeah. So it's... Uh, that one should be, uh, that one's a good one, and uh, Richie's going to go all down all kinds of roads with Jimmy. That's kind of the main, the main kind of thrust of the interview, but Richie kind of decides, no, no, I got you on the phone, we got lots of other things to talk about, because yeah, He doesn't Jimmy, know that, I just do it. Anyway. Yeah, he's got his, <laughs> he, you know, he has his fingers on a lot of stuff, but also he's had his fingers on a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. So uh, that's, that's like the perfect guess for Focus on Metal. Mm-hmm. So that is what we have coming up next week but for this week for myself and me until we talk to you again as always remember focus on metal everything else is insignificant You're still here? It's over. Go home.